0: There had been abuse in my family, uh, but it was mostly musical in nature.
1: Are you ready to get your world rocked? Ready! Are you ready to get your mind blown?
2: Do it! One, two, three,
3: four!
1: the time of the year for us to dig out our creepiest, spookiest, and all-around scariest songs to play for Halloween. I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ
4: and Columbia College. And I'm Greg Cott from the Chicago Tribune. We're back with our annual Sound Opinions Halloween special, and we're going to review a new record for one of the most sinister voices in rock, Tom Waits, that's coming up today on Sound Opinions.
1: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for our Halloween special, Greg Cott's favorite show of the year. This is one of your big holidays, I know. Many people love it, right? And everything goes better with music. So, several times we have chosen some of our favorite scary songs from throughout rock history to play while those trick-or-treaters are ringing the bell, or you're having your Halloween party, or just generally want to get creeped out in the
4: spirit of the season, Right. It is by request from our listeners, Jim, I think our most popular show or second most popular maybe behind the Andy Serzan Christmas special, but people love scary songs, and there are a ton of them. We're going to get to a bunch more today. We have a specially made Halloween coin to determine which of us is going to go first. We've got Ronnie James Dio on one side, one of my all time favorite scary rockers, the late, great Ronnie James Dio. And on the other side, we've got One of your favorites.
1: Well, fellow New Jerseyan, Glenn Danzig, okay? So I'm going with Glenn, and the coin is in the air. And Ronnie James Dio wins. So that means you get to go first.
4: All right, Jim, I've got a perfect leadoff song for us. It's from the band The Cure from their U.K. debut album from 1979, Three Imaginary Boys. And it is a song that I think typifies this whole notion of the theater of imagination. You talk about this a lot in movies where... A guy like Alfred Hitchcock was terrific at building suspense and building anticipation. He wouldn't show you what is happening but what might happen and planting these seeds of doubt in the viewer's mind about what is about to happen to these characters. And I think this Cure song, Subway song, does that perfectly. Basically only eight lines of verse, a great ominous bass line in this song, these little terse finger snaps about midway through, and then a surprise ending. I'm not going to give away completely, but just be on notice that something terrible is going to happen to this person that is depicted coming home late at night on a subway train. We've all been there. We've all heard the footsteps in the back of us wondering, hmm, is that somebody following me? Am I the only person in here or am I being stalked <laughs> by someone? So the anticipation is, is really nicely played out in this song. It is a horrific Halloween song, the Cure's Subway song on Sound Opinions.
5: subway she's on her way home she tries hard not to run but she feels she's not alone echoes of footsteps follow close behind but she dare not turn around
4: Wow. I still jump out of my seat when I hear that part of the song. It'll be playing in the background, and I'm just like, I'll jump out of my chair when I hear it.
1: It's scary, but I tell you, what's scarier is Robert Smith. <laughs> you know, just the whole the whole outfit, the makeup, the whole thing.
4: Yeah, this is kind of like the pre-makeup Robert Smith, but his head was definitely in a dark place when he wrote Subway Song. That's The Cure from 1979. All right, Jim, what have you got for a great Halloween song? Well, Greg, your reserve of scary rock songs is seemingly uh, boundless, but, you know,
1: we've done this show a bunch of times, and I want it to not be so obvious and I wanted to kind of take some left turns today. So I turned to some of our listeners for some inspiration. Some I chose myself. Some came in via email. People were, were people are gonzo about this show. Mm-hmm. They just were giving us great suggestions. Kevin in Evergreen Park out here in Illinois, he said, One of my favorite songs, Spooky or Not, is Ghost Town by The Specials, from the ghoulish moans to the high-pitched wails, from the scary image painted of empty streets and closed-down clubs to the singles cover artwork of skeletons playing the piano. He loves the creepy vibe of this song. He does note, in in a joking manner, that even scarier was that No Doubt once covered it. But (laughs) we're going to the original version by The Specials. When Ghost Town came out in 1981, it was talking about shuttered streets, unemployment, urban unrest on the streets of London. It was a heavy time, and there were riots that erupted just as this song was coming out and making to the top of the charts, not unlike what we've seen in London recently. And I think that's the scary thing about this song, a city losing its soul, a city in an uproar. Here it is by the specials, Ghost Town on Sound Opinions. Ghost Town by the Specials on Sound
4: Opinions, one of our scary picks for this Halloween. Mr. Cott, you're next. What do you got to chill us? Good one, Jim. One of the scariest aspects of this song is the fact that the singer, Scott Walker, once used to be in a group called the Walker Brothers singing music that was completely unlike what I'm about to play. The Walker Brothers had a huge hit in the 60s called The Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore. You can YouTube it and find out what that's all about. And play that song and then play this next one that I'm about to uh, lay on you. And you go, that's the same guy? Scott Walker using that plush baritone crooner's voice in a more sinister fashion on this song. It's from his latest album, 2006 album called The Drift. And in this song, he starts out with this kind of this post-9-11 scenario And then it morphs into this meditation on Elvis Presley in the womb of his mother lying next to his dead twin, Jesse. People don't realize this, but maybe that Elvis Presley did actually have a twin who was stillborn. And he's imagining this conversation. It's actually a one-way conversation, Elvis talking to this, this dead person lying next to him in the womb. And just that scenario alone creeps me out.
1: Yeah, that's quite a start.
4: But then he plays it out, and you'll hear what happens next. But basically, it's it's a pretty existential piece of pop music, if you can call it pop music. It's more leaning on experimental and classical music. But it is among the darkest narratives I've ever seen in a pop song. Scott Walker with Jesse on Sound Opinions.
6: A building left in the night Jesse, are you listening? It casts its ruins and shadows On the Memphis moonlight Jesse, are you listening? In the dream, I am crawling around on my hands and knees, smoothing out the prairie. All the dents and the gouges, and the winds dying down, I lower my head. Press my ear to the prayer.
1: Scott Walker with Jesse on Sound Opinions. Mr. Cott, you are a sick man, not only for choosing that song, but also for uh, donning the uh, Lady Gaga costume, (laughs) I have to say. When we do these shows, we love to turn to Sound Opinions listeners, uh, everybody's a critic, and get their opinions about great songs. First up, we have Nicole from Naperville, Illinois. Hi, Nicole. You're on Sound Opinions. Hi. What song have you picked out for Halloween?
7: Well, my pick is Death on Two Legs by Queen, and I went with that song because... It used to scare me when I was little, when my mom would play it. She's a pretty big Queen fan, and that song used to terrify me.
1: Well, generally speaking, Queen is a pretty nice band. <laughs> you know, Freddie Mercury, nice guy.
7: Yeah, that's that's how I felt listening to the song when I was younger. It's kind of like, Freddie, is that you? You know, you're so angry.
3: <laughs> you suck my blood like a leech. You break the law and you preach. Screw my brain till it hurts.
4: to get at why your mother would play this song for you. I mean, was it this song specifically? Was she trying to terrify you? Or
7: No. <laughs> no, she was just a big Queen fan, and we listened to Night at the Opera a lot, and as I got a little older in elementary school, my parents would let me take their tapes and play them on my own little little kid player. I would take Night at the Opera, but I would always fast forward through Death on Two legs.
3: You know, can kiss my ass goodbye. Feel good? Are you satisfied? Do you feel like suicide? You Is your conscience all right? Does not plague you at night? Do you feel good?
6: Feel
4: good. I could see where the theater of the imagination in the mind could go a little nuts uh, listening to that song.
7: The chanting kind of scared me. <laughs> it kind of sound like ghosts when they say ah. Uh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do you feel like suicide? I think you should. Ooh. Uh, Really angry.
4: No parental warning stickers on those records either. (laughs) I mean, they were just free-for-alls as far as uh, young kids' imaginations were concerned. Well, you survived, Nicole, and we're glad you were able to talk to us about it today. Thanks for being on Sound Opinions. Thanks. Okay, let's go now to David in Cleveland. David, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you guys? We're good. We're getting in the mood for Halloween. What song do you want to nominate?
0: Uh. Killing Game by Skinny Puppy.
4: I don't think we've ever had any Skinny
1: Puppy, and that's a natural for Halloween.
0: When I heard the show last year, I thought uh, I got to get Skinny Puppy somehow. I think with this song, it's the piano. They don't have a lot of piano in their songs, and you know, right at the start, they have that repeated single piano note. And for me, just that first seven seconds, you could stop it right there, and I'm already sort of spooked out.
4: Uh, that's bringing back memories. Killing Game by Skinny Puppy. I used to traffic a lot of, at times in the uh, Wax Tracks record store in Chicago, David, and they would play this kind of music, gothic, industrial. I hear you about the, the, the spooky part. And they also had a band member named Ogre, as I recall. Is that yeah, right? exactly. Now, how old were you when you first heard this?
0: Uh, probably but it would have been around 20. I actually got into Skinny Puppy probably the album before Two Dark Park, which would have been about 89, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all good rock and roll stories have to involve a girl, right? So ah. that album was actually, it, it was a girl that I was madly in love with in early college. And she had the album, and she played it for me. And I just remember that song, like I said, that piano. The second I heard it, I was like, okay, everybody shut up. I want to hear this. Mm-hmm.
1: Were you trying to, like, do the goth thing to make <laughs> her happy?
0: You know, what's funny is back then when we were living it, we didn't know what goth was. I guess in hindsight I was. I had the black eyeliner and black nail.
1: Does it hold up for you now?
0: Kenny Puppy is one of the few bands that I have kept up with and they have yet to disappoint me.
1: No more eyeliner, but the music still holds up.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: David, thanks for calling from Cleveland.
0: Thank you.
4: some really scary Halloween selections from our listeners, and we're going to continue counting down the scariest songs in rock after a quick break on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Later, we're going to review a new album from a Halloween all-star, Tom Waits. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Kot with Jim DeRogatis, and this is our annual Halloween special. We've been hearing from some of our listeners about some of their scariest songs of all time, and Jim and I are going back and forth with some of our selections, and uh, right now it's Jim's turn.
1: Greg, I'm going to throw another one to another dedicated listener who wrote in with a killer suggestion. One that was so good, made me go instantly, Doh! How come <laughs> I never thought of it before? Shelby Peterson from Chicago said, Hard choice, but I have to go with Pirate Jenny by Nina Simone. Her voice has a haunting cast to it, and when she gasps out near the end, that'll learn ya. it sends shivers down my spine. Shelby is absolutely right. Eunice Wayman, Nina Simone's real name, is singing a song by Bertolt Breck and Kurt Weil from Three Penny Opera. If I look at it as just the tune that those guys wrote, Pirate Jenny is about a woman who was perhaps captured by one ship, and then the pirates that she was part of are coming to rescue her, the black ship on the horizon, and these people who've been mistreating her, making her scrub the decks, and who knows what else are going to get theirs. The way Nina Simone plays it, now she was a civil rights activist, she changes a very few words and does it skillfully. It's suddenly a southern hotel. Mm -hmm. that she is cleaning. And she's being mistreated by the white patrons in a racist society. And the black ship suddenly becomes something else. It's going to become justice. When society is equalized, you're going to get yours. And, you know, the anger in her voice is amazing, but it's so subtly underplayed that that's what's creepy about it. A powerful tune, a scary tune, Pirate Jenny by Nina Simone on Sound Opinions. (music)
8: While I'm scrubbing these floors And I'm scrubbing the floors while you're gawking Maybe once you tip me and it makes you feel swell In this crummy southern town In this crummy old hotel But you'll never guess to who you're talking No, you couldn't ever guess to who you're talking Then one night There's a scream in the night and you wonder who could that have been? And you see me kind of grinning while I'm scrubbing. And you say what she got to grin? I'll tell you there's a ship the black freighter the skull on its masthead Will be coming in You gentlemen can say Hey gal, finish them floors Get upstairs, what's wrong with you? Earn you keep here You toss me your tips And look out to the ships But I'm counting your heads As I'm making the beds Cause there's nobody gonna sleep here Tonight, nobody's gonna sleep here, honey. Nobody. Nobody. Then one night, there's a scream in the night, and you say, Who's that kicking up around? And you see me kind of staring out the window you say, what she got to stare at now? I'll tell you, there's a ship, the black freighter turns around in the harbor shooting guns from her bow.
4: Pirate Jenny from Nina Simone from Jim Dirigatis, one of his great Halloween songs of all time. I love that choice, Jim, and it ties in uh, really nicely with uh, what I'm going to play next that sort of macro view of the world, the sense of evil in the world. Lupe Fiasco addressed that on his song, Put You On Game, from his 2007 album, The Cool. It was a concept album about this title character and the choices he has to make. ...in this world uh, fraught with evil. I mean, Lupe was coming off a really hard time in his life when he made this album. His father and a good friend had just died. His longtime manager had just gone to prison. So he's investigating this topic of, you know, temptation, evil, sinister forces at work in the world. The narrator in this song is a really creepy character... The guy runs this place, and we're talking about from the White House to the crack house, and you have those those violins kind of escalating in the background, the crack of gunshots, you've got this ominous chant, let me put you on game. The game is this hustle, The you know, the pimp game, the con game, the gangster game, and the song just keeps escalating intensity until the very end when Lupe almost reveals his identity, or the identity of the narrator in this song. He doesn't really tell you who it is because the song cuts off just in time, but you can guess. I mean, this is sympathy for the devil. This is the Rolling Stones said, Mm. you know, everywhere there's some mayhem happening, I'm the guy at the heart of it all. Lupe Fiasco puts you on game on Sound Opinions.
2: Don't you know that I run this place And I've begun this race Must I rerun this pace I'm the reason it's become this way And their love for it is the reason I have become this praise They love my darkness I've made them heartless And in return they have become a martyrs I've been in the poem of many a poet And I reside in the art of many a artist Some of you smartest have tried to articulate My whole poppiness But they're fruitless in their harvest The drove grows from my footsteps I'm the one that they follow, I am the one that they march with Through the back alleys and the black markets The oval offices, the crack houses and apartments Through the mazes of the queens The pages of the sages and the chambers of the kings Through the veins of the fiends The paper chases pages, yo, I'm famous on the scene One of the oldest, most ancientest things Speak every single language on the planet, you know I mean? I am the American dream, the rape of Africa, the undying machine, the overpriced medicine, the murderous regime, the tough guy's front and the one behind the scene. I am the blood of this city, it's gas, water and electricity, I'm its gym and it's math and it's history, the gunshots in the class, and you can't pass if you miss missing cheese. I taught them better than that. I taught them aim for the head and hope they never come back. I'm glad your daddy's gone, baby. Hope he never comes back. I am hope he's with your mother with my hustlers high in my trap. I hope you die in this trash. I can't help it. All I hear when you crying is laughs. I'm sure somebody find you tied in this bag. Behind the hospital, little baby crack addicts have. Then maybe you can grow up and be a stripper, a welfare-receiving prostitute and gold digger. You can watch on TV. How they should properly depict you. The river should flow with liquors. Pinch your thirst on my Alexis. I am the safe haven for the rebel runaway and the resistor. The trusted misleader. The number one defender. And from a throne of their bones, I Rule. these fools are my fuel so i make them cool baptize them in the water out of scarface pool and feed them from the table that held the corleone's food if you die tell them that you play my game i hope your bullet holes become mouths to say my name because i'm the
1: another fine halloween choice put you on game by lupe fiasco nice one greg I have uh, got nobody to blame except myself for this one, and you may scoff initially at this choice, but I'm going with 10 CC's I'm Not In Love. What's creepy about it? For one thing, the production. Kevin Godley and Lal Cream, the driving forces in this early 70s English rock band, are now much better known as an award-winning video production team. Back then, they were just as inventive in the recording studio. This initially started out as a falling-out-of-love song with a bossa nova beat, nothing too extraordinary. They decided to take out the drums and to build a wall of rhythm from voices. The four members of the band each sang one note and then overdubbed it and overdubbed it and overdubbed it until there were 256 voices (laughs) singing the same note, which gives this kind of throbbing sensation. It seems pretty pretty at first but it gets creepier as the song goes on then they really dropped the bomb with this apparently they turned to the studio's receptionist and had her give that spoken word intro in the middle Big boys don't cry. Big boys. It's just creepy. He's saying he's not in love. I don't think he's going to be breathing much longer either. <laughs> it's kind of in the spirit of that uh, song Timothy that you did a couple of years ago, which was actually about cannibalism. Nice little pop song about cannibalism. That's what 10 CC's I'm Not in Love is for me. Here it is on Sound Opinions.
3: So don't
6: forget it It's just a silly face I'm gone
4: I'm Not in Love from 10CC. Uh, interesting choice, Jim. I wouldn't have thought of that as a scary Halloween song, but uh, I could see the uh, the sinister undertow there. It's
1: the big boys don't cry part. It's
4: just really <laughs> horrifying. All right, we're going to go to some more of our guest critics for their choices. Frank is from Philadelphia. Welcome to Sound Opinions, Frank. Hey, thanks for having me. So we're talking about spooky tunes for this season. What are you going to choose? Uh, for me, it's Cotton Crown by Sonic Youth. Sonic Youth has a number of songs that might qualify for this why that one in particular um, because it's a love song
0: and it just when you listen to it it just sounds scary the way they sing it and the way the guitars are like just like chiming and groaning and yeah I mean, when, when it came out I was in college and to me love was you know the scariest thing I could think of at the time <laughs> like it was totally
1: alien to me apparently Thurston and Kim are feeling that way right now too.
4: So you heard that song back in the day when love was a new thing for you, and uh, this, this turned you off on the whole concept, I take it, right, Frank?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think more that it connected with what I was already feeling, and, like, no love songs really expressed quite what I was feeling, and then that one did. I don't
1: care where. I don't care where. Thanks for your input, Frank.
0: Oh, well, thanks for having me.
1: Okay, Greg, we've got one final listener on the line. Stacey is in Garner, North Carolina. Stacey, are you there? Yes, I am. Great. Tell us about your favorite song for Halloween.
7: Well, it's not uh, definitely a traditional Halloween song, and it doesn't have a lot of traditional Halloween content, but it's Deep Red Bells by Nico Case. Ooh. And she has said in interviews that it's sort of a reflection of how she felt growing up in Washington State while the Green River Killer was active. So... Um, It's kind of a murder song and uh, that seems kind of spooky to me.
1: Does have that sinister streak under her, that she you know you just know she likes horror movies and horror novels, and she likes scaring people. Yes. And why this song in particular?
7: It's the spookiness of her voice, which is the reason I'm such a big fan of hers. But um, just sort of the imagery in the song, she kind of engages all five senses with it. There's a line about a handprint on the driver's side, and there's uh, of course the sound of the deep red bells. But the thing that really gets me is there's a line that says, does your soul cast about like an old paper bag past empty lots and early graves? And that just gives me the willies every time. It's just such a great image. Does your soul
8: cast about like an old paper bag
6: past empty lots and early graves?
4: Yes, the sinister things beneath the surface of a beautiful song. Uh, Great stuff. Thanks, Stacey, for being on Sound Opinions. All
7: right, thank you for having me. Great talking to you.
4: Hopefully, you're starting
1: to get a little creeped out at home. We are wrapping up this year's Halloween special, and Greg, you and I are each going
4: to play one final
1: song. What have you
4: got? Jim, I'm going to play one of Bruce Springsteen's creepiest songs, State Trooper, from his Nebraska album, 1982. I think Nebraska stands alone in his catalog as by far the bleakest album he ever recorded. Most people think of Springsteen as kind of this uplifting guy. He finds a way to find a little kernel of hope in almost any scenario he he sings about. You know, the Born to Run album is a classic example of that. He was talking about getting out of town. There's this bleak existence that he's living, but he's going to get out somehow, In Nebraska, the entire album, a bunch of characters who are kind of at the end of their rope and can't find a way out. So he's inside the mind of this guy who's driving along, begging this state trooper not to stop him. The only thing we know about this guy is that he's got no license, no registration, and what he says is a clear conscience about the things he's done. Maybe there's some contraband in the car, some drugs, some guns. Is there a body in the trunk? You know what I think of that scene in the Coen Brothers movie in Fargo? where they're pulled over by the state trooper and suddenly things go from the tension is in the air and and then things go horribly wrong. This is almost a setup for that scene in that movie. It's a brief snippet of a moment in the life of this character and he's about to snap In about two minutes in you can hear this little yelp from Springsteen that becomes Aurora a few seconds later and you get the sense that yes he has finally turned the corner to just completely losing his mind and going off the deep end. It's Bruce Springsteen State Trooper on Sound Opinions.
5: New Jersey I don't know when I need the out where great, like the great black rivers pull license registration. I-
4: That is State Trooper from Bruce Springsteen on Sound Opinions, one of my scariest Halloween songs of all time. I'm actually,
1: I'm scared by all of Bruce Springsteen's (laughs) output. uh, What do you got for your last choice, Jim? I'm going to go with Peter Gabriel, Greg. It it may seem like an obvious choice, but there's a good reason. You know, Gabriel, I think, is one of the best people in the history of rock to embody foreign characters and really bring them to you in song. The third album, the one that really established him as a post Genesis solo artist, includes the tune Intruder. It's about a burglar. I don't think he's just a burglar who enjoys breaking into people's houses. The recurring line is, I like. You know, I like to feel the suspense when I'm certain you know I'm there. I like you lying awake, your bated breath charging the air. This guy's doing it for kicks, and who knows how far he's going, not just stealing the silverware. We think of Peter now as warm and fuzzy, world beat champion. This is back when he was playing darker characters on the third album. Also, interesting, this song was built around a little repetitive phrase that his friend and placement in genesis phil collins played on the drums and the entire thing really relies on this tom-tom beat much of what gabriel would do for the next 15 years came from this chance discovery in the studio and much of what phil collins would do in his solo career came from this with a big gated tom-tom sound with lots of reverb i also love the way somebody's guitar just a little guitar comes in twice and mimics the sound of a window breaking at one point what an unsettling tune The Intruder by Peter Gabriel on Sound Opinions. Intruder by Peter Gabriel wrapping up our 2011 Halloween special. If you'd like to share your favorite scary songs for the season or comment on anything in the rock world, call 888-859-1800. You can also email interact at soundopinions.org or connect to us on Facebook or Twitter. Coming up, we'll review the new album from the king of scary rock, Tom Waits. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
4: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and uh, that song says, All Aboard, Tom Waits saying, Climb aboard the train, it's called Chicago, from his new album, Bad As Me, on Sound Opinions. Waits has been around since the 70s, started his career as kind of this boozy saloon crooner in a very traditional vein. You would always see this guy at the end of the bar, right? You could imagine Tom Waits being at the end of the bar, going over to the piano, smoking some cigarettes late into the night, drinking a few whiskeys. That was the character he played throughout the 70s. Then he met and later married Kathleen Brennan who became not only his wife, but his artistic collaborator. And his sound changed beginning in the early 80s. He started experimenting with more avant-garde textures on his records. His albums got harder-edged, more experimental, more theatrical. It coincided with Waits starting to appear in some Hollywood movies, doing some stage productions, all tying in with his musical career. So basically for the last three decades, he's been making these very avant-garde-sounding pop records. His latest one is called Bad As Me. He's got a number of guest stars on this record, including people like Keith Richards, alongside uh, longtime collaborators like Mark Rebo, the great guitarist who has been his sidekick for a number of records now. We're going to review the record in a second, but let's play... Raised Right Men, a track from Bad Is Me by Tom Waits on Sound Opinions.
3: That is-
1: Right Men by Tom Waits from studio album number 17, Bad As Me. Greg, you are on record as loving Tom Waits. I am on record as having been disappointed since that transition from the saloon singer. And, and, you know, to be sure, there was always a fair amount of theater and acting and tapping into what Grill Marcus had called the weird lost America, right? When he was doing saloon songs... Swordfish trombones, an album I love. To me, for the last 15 years, though, Tom Waits has been coasting by giving us shtick. You use the word theatrical. You said character he played. It's so obviously an act that it really grates on me. The forced eccentricity, the amplified, over-the-top weirdness, makes it very difficult for me to enjoy his songs. Now, his voice is an impediment to begin with. Mm -hmm. That is not an easy voice to love. I do love Mark Rebo. I like a lot of the musical backings. But I find the Waits of the last 15 years nothing but a sheer annoyance. I'm sorry. Buy it, burn it, trash it. I really hate this album.
4: It's a trash it record. Wow. I'm I'm surprised to hear you say that because even though I know of your well-noted hatred for Tom (laughs) Waits' recent work... I thought this album might actually appeal to you because I think by Waits' standards, especially from the last 20, 25 years, this is a pop album. This is about as concise and direct a record as he can make. There's hooks in these songs, choruses. There's weird eccentric touches. But at the end of the day, with Waits, we're talking about a great songwriter. I think sometimes the theatricality and, and the shtick, as you call it, kind of obscures the fact that he still writes pretty darn good songs, rooted in old blues, those saloon ballads that he loved in his early days, some early rockabilly, Mexican mariachi bands. I mean, these are the kind of pre-rock and roll influences that he's bringing in to these very textured, sometimes avant-garde-sounding songs. You see,
1: I- I'm just waiting for Glee to do the Tom <laughs> Waits show, because
4: eh? then I think you'll see this guy's true colors. They're, no, they're, they're, they're they primed for it. Ain't going to happen. And I'm surprised, too, that you missed the collaborators on this record, not just Rebo and Richards, but I think Augie Meyer steals the show here, the great keyboardist who used to play with Doug Somm. His textures on this record are just fascinating. This is by far his most accessible record in a good 20 years. I think it's a buy it all the way. Yes, well, a buy it from Greg, a trash it from me. What
1: do we have on the show next week, Mister Cott?
4: Jim, next week, uh, hold on to your Glendenzig leather pants that you wore, especially for our Halloween occasion today. Your hero is going to be our guest on the show next week, Brian Eno. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions
1: is produced by Robin Lynn and Jason Saldana, with the able assistance of Annie Minoff and our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia. You ring his bell when you trick or treating; he gives you a toothbrush. <laughs>
4: On sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say.
3: New
7: messages. Hi, this is Veronica. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. I just listened to your hero worship episode, and as always, I really enjoyed the show. I was a little disappointed, though, that you didn't include any songs either by or about women. And the feminist in me just can't let it go without mentioning some of them. Uh, Portland's own Dandy Warhols, they have a song called Cool as Kim Deal. Then there's the Sonic Youth song, Tunic, Song for Karen. Uh, it's their tribute to Karen Carpenter. There's a George Jackson tune, Aretha Sing One for Me, which I first heard from a Cat Power cover. Hey Aretha,
6: sing one for me
7: Finally, I love Laura Veer's song Carol Kay, about Carol Kay, the very influential bass player who often gets overlooked in rock and roll history. I'm sure there's a ton more, but that's what I came up with.
5: Thanks.
3: Bye. She can really play it, she can really Vibrations help me Rhonda Homeward Bound It would be so cool To be like Carol, Carol K. Maybe I could meet her Maybe shake a hand one day
1: Hi, this is Rick from New York. I'm calling regarding your discussion of Cheap tricks, Surrender. I appreciate it that you highlighted surrender. I just have to share my very different take. This isn't about the kid running back to his room to maintain his innocence and play these juvenile records a little longer. He's already jaded about adulthood. He's complaining his parents are borrowing his Kiss records as a soundtrack for their little sex and drugs on a living room couch.
4: And you know he's jaded about all this because he just told us how his mother warned him not to sleep with girls with VD, you know. So by the time he's walking in on them, I think he's just
1: throwing up his hands and uh, whatever. Thanks a lot.
4: Hi Jim and Greg, it's Vaughn in Pennsylvania. Just got done listening to the hero worship episode. I wanted to add my uh, contribution to that. A contemporary thing, a newer thing. Most deaf on his album True Magic, a song called Perfect Timing. He name checks a bunch of people, Soul Sonic Force, BDP, but I think primarily Jam Master J and Run DMC. It's almost like he's in the middle of a dream, almost chanting. Lines from old rap songs and turning them into his own, and then they go back into quoting the originals. And he's very honest and very unself-conscious, and he's not trying to pose and be hard, and he's a fan. He loves it. I think that's what the hero worship songs are about. Thanks.
0: Bye. My name is Andrew from Flagstaff, Arizona. I am presently in Phoenix trying to find parking from the Foo Fighters concert. So I had to ask and speak from the populace, was my hero too obvious for Dave Grohl singing about Kurt Cobain to make it to the hero worship show?